1: I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net This is a replay of WIBW show The Drive Here's this week's episode on the
0: 24-7 Sports
1: Podcast Network Good evening Wildcat and Jayhawk fans and welcome to The Drive Sponsored by Briggs Auto Group I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com And the man across the studio from me is Michael Swain of Fog.net my, I, Michael, KU's got to quit going to places on the road. It just it, This isn't working out. This is bizarre.
0: It really is, Fitz, and I think for KU fans, probably a little worried looking ahead at some of the upcoming road games, but this has a weird season for me, Fitz. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the show today. I think it'll come up. It, it, it's something where I think we're going to see a lot of KU wins where they beat really good teams, and maybe
1: they play down to their opponent, like it's Salt a,
0: against West Virginia.
1: It's a mess. You can interact with us on social media. At Facebook.com/slash/drive show on Twitter at the Drive 13, and of course answer our weekly poll questions and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that'll appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both GoPowerCat and Fog.net. We start things off with our two-minute drill. The first segment of the two-minute drill, sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Kansas had its six-game winning streak against West Virginia snapped on Saturday afternoon in Morgantown. The Jayhawks had a lackluster defensive display and lost 91-85. How concerned are you about KU's performance? I'm more concerned about the
0: broader themes, I think, fits that we're seeing with KU on the road this season. It feels like KU plays down to the level of its opponent. You can even go to the Indiana game in non-conference play, a game that KU was not great, and I think played to the level of Indiana. You go to UCF, KU does not play the type of basketball that we've seen them play when they've been at their best. And once again, it happens in Morgantown, where I look at what KU did defensively, and it was not up to par. Players like DeJuan Harris, Kevin McCuller, had mental breakdowns on defense that resulted in open shots for someone like Raycon Battle, who had an incredible game shooting from three. Now, if you want to take this game and say it's a statistical anomaly, West Virginia averages 6.3, made threes per game, they made 12, I'd say yes, there is a bit of variance, I think, in these numbers. But... West Virginia got open threes, Fitz, and I think that's something that's more concerning in the long run, is the fact that Cage just struggled to get on guys. And I think there's a stretch where, you know, McCuller and Harris didn't switch a screen, it resulted in an open three for battle, who made it. And then two possessions later, Battle makes a three over Johnny Furphy, who didn't close out. Like, these are the moments in the intensity you have to have on the road where you have to know the scouting report, know the guy that's been cooking you for the last 20 minutes, and understand that you gotta get tight to him. And those types of moments were not there for KU, and as a result, they lost. And so, I think overall, You know, KU's got some stuff they gotta figure out. I think defensively, uh, this team has been okay at times. They can get after teams, but there are just these moments and these lapses that are are a big concern. And this is a game too where KU got out-rebounded by nine. This is a KU team that is a really, really good defensive rebounding team. West Virginia dominated them on the glass. It was KU's worst rebounding performance of the season. And there's no excuse for that. Hunter Dickinson should never have five rebounds in a game. Johnny Furphy should not be the guy that leads KU in rebounding in the first half with multiple offensive rebounds coming from that. Like, this is a performance overall that is concerning because these are bits and pieces of what we've seen so far this season where maybe KU doesn't play up to snuff
1: on the road. This has is, this is gone from, um, I, I don't know, kind of charming – alarming how uh, hard it is to play on the road in this Mm -hmm. conference I mean the way some of these teams rise up at home and have these kind of performances and West Virginia was really good KU was off but uh, West Virginia was really good they played at you know one of their highest levels it's it's bizarre I I, I've never seen anything like it yeah it's a crazy conference and like we also saw with
0: K-State on Saturday Mm -hmm. and K-State now is four and one in the conference after beating ninth ranked Baylor in overtime and then rallying to hold off winless Oklahoma State at home.
1: Fitz, is K-State for real? Is anyone in this conference <laughs> for real? Uh, I'll, I'll just say this. They played a really good Baylor team, and Kansas State didn't play that well on Tuesday night, and they won. I still can't explain fully how they won against a team the caliber of Baylor with 17 turnovers, and Baylor took 20 two more shots from the field. That stat means you got blown out, but K-State didn't get blown out, mostly because Jerome Tang and his coaches have done a marvelous job of locking down the defense. And as they struggled with offense on Saturday against Oklahoma State, they just couldn't get things going, the defense kept them connected. Oklahoma State either wasn't quite good enough to get away, or Kansas State's defense kept them within reach. And then finally, they got a break in the form of a Cam Carter banked-in three-pointer against Oklahoma State that gave them the lead. Uh, And then K-State never looked back. Uh, I'll say this about this team. Are they for real? I'm still not sure. But they know who they are defensively. And they now have this tenacity about winning close games that has to come from coaching because this is mostly a different team than last year, which had the same trait. You know, Jerome Tang beat Baylor in overtime. He's 10-0 in overtime games. That's not just explained by luck. I don't think so, at least. That's explained by a coach who knows how to prepare his team and get his team ready to play at the highest level when they need to. Now, 4-1 is probably about the best case scenario. Of course, 5-0 would have been that. They only lost by one attack. But coming out of this first five games at 4-1 is huge for K-State because this week, they go to Iowa State and Houston, which, by odds, would be two losses. But then again, this conference, as I said, is chaos, and maybe that means K-State can steal another road win against a really good team. We'll see, but every game in this conference is an adventure, and that's a topic we're about ready to talk about because I have seen Big 12 basketball for a long time, and this year is a glorious mess.
0: It really is,
1: Fitz, and I think
0: you can even look at K-State's progression, where I'm not sure if there's been a a watershed moment, a big play that has sparked them on. It's kind of the the Big 12. you just got to show up every night, grit, grind, and you might end up with the win, you might end up with the loss, but I think K-State's ability to kind of show up every night and do some things to put themselves in position just to be in the game in the final few minutes I think is really important in the long term for this
1: conference. And at times we're seeing home crowds be very significant in the outcome. Uh, The crowds have always been good in the conference, but man, it's better now. And let's get to that. Only two Big 12 teams have one loss. Texas Tech and Kansas State, which have already played. That's K-State's loss. Well, five teams have two losses. How crazy is this title race going to be? Fitz, it wouldn't shock me if we're going to see a six-loss
0: Big 12 champion because the offsetting schedules here are going to be really hard to figure out here late in the season, right, where this is the only time Kansas is going to play West Virginia. KU only plays Texas once. I just think overall, though, with this conference, this is going to be a fascinating title race because there are not those guaranteed two-game swings, right, where how many times has it been, oh, KU goes to Baylor, In the final weeks of the regular season, and they need a win to either tie Baylor or to create a gap over Baylor. Well, those games aren't going to be really solidified until late on in the season, and even then, there's no guarantee there will be those big swings. But you look at a team like Iowa State, fits, and they turn the TCU over at a record amount. It's a program record for Iowa State in forced turnovers, and yet. All of a sudden, TCU was able to find a way back late in the game, and it's a close contest late on. Like, this is why the conference is so crazy because the team can have a historic aspect of their performance, and yet the other team is still able to claw their way back. Like, this conference is crazy. I think we're going to see so many more losses for teams like KU, Baylor, Texas Tech, K State. Like, I think six losses is definitely on the table for at least a share of the conference.
1: Uh, We're showing the Iowa State-TCU game, which was bizarre. I mean, Iowa State just smoked them in the first half. TCU had 17 turnovers in the first half uh, and almost won the game. This conference is inexplicable. Um, And you know what? It's fun. But, Michael, I'm a little worried we're going over the edge from entertaining and competitive into damaging. And what I mean by that is if you're an opposing coach... uh, you're going to have a good scout on every team in the Big 12 because the coaches and the preparation for each game is so intense and in-depth. They boil down all their conference opponents to these factors that they can take advantage of and put it on film for future opponents. And plus, look, if you're Kansas and Bill Self's teams always play with a great deal of confidence, after losing on the road at UCF and West Virginia, it's got to dent you a little bit. It just has to. And if you have some Flagging confidence going into the postseason—that'll get exposed too. We'll see how it plays out, but this is this is just, as I said, a glorious, wonderful mess. But also, it's really jolting for fans. Mm. It really is. And now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in? Call today for a free estimate. All right. Last week's question
0: was: Who will finish in last place the in the Big Twelve? Oklahoma State got 26% of the vote. That's my vote. Uh, Cincinnati got 13% of the vote. West Virginia came in first or last, getting
1: 44% of the vote. And then UCF got 17% of the vote. This week's question is, who has had the most disappointing start to Big 12 play? I think we all know the answer here, but we still had the uh, quiz. Uh, A, Texas, B, Kansas, C, Houston, D, TCU, Hornstown. Uh, Please uh, vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 I don't mean to influence anyone's votes, Hornstown.
0: That will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we'll be right back with more on KUNK State here on The Drive. progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law welcome
1: back to the drive fueled by briggsauto.com welcome back as we continue our weekly two-minute drill this segment of the two-minute drill sponsored by copeland insurance agency part of your community for more than 60 years Johnny Furphy, God, I love that name, has emerged as KU's fifth starter. He's been performing well. So Michael, what's been the key to his success in his new role? The new role of Johnny Furphy. Well, I'll tell you what, Fitz, I think
0: it says a lot. When KU has a core four, right, that play a lot of minutes, that have been around college basketball, their actions, I think, tell you a lot. And the fact that someone like Elmarco Jackson, who was starting before, there were times where guys wouldn't pass Del Marco when he was open. And I think it says something about the trust that Furphy has earned from these starters that he's now getting shots wide open because guys are passing to him. And I think as a result, Furphy's confidence has now grown. Against West Virginia, he was on fire to start the game. He made three of his first three attempts from behind the arc. And there was a couple plays where he was calling for the ball, like begging in the corner with his hands above his head, like, give me the ball that takes serious confidence and some serious balls, too, to be able to do that, <laughs> right? When you think about DeWan Harris, Kevin McCullough, Hunter Dickinson, like these are guys that are the cream of the crop in college basketball and have that confidence is so big. And I think you're seeing him just play with that elevated sense of self-belief where when Furphy arrived on campus, right? You gotta remember he showed up at August, you know, two months after other guys had come, he wasn't on that Puerto Rico trip. It took him some time and then I think at home, a trip back to Australia over Christmas has really turned out to be kind of the moment that has sparred this stretch where he's looked so much more confident, more comfortable, and you're seeing the player that Bill Self raved about when he signed look, he's going to end up in the NBA. He has that frame. He has that athletic ability as showcased by some of his plays in transition where he's able to use his athleticism to finish at the rim. He obviously can shoot the ball. That's been one of his biggest strengths and he's rebounding the ball at a high clip too. Like he's putting things all together to be a a type of wing player that I think can really help KU this year. Uh, Next year, I expect him to return for one more year and and really improve and be a guy that can be a catalyst for this team next year but i didn't see this coming fits two weeks ago three weeks yeah. ago i thought johnny furphy was going to be a key guy for k this year but i did not see him taking this big of
1: a leap in this short period of time bill self has a lot of qualities of excellent coaching but this is one that i, I just find fascinating how he can push the buttons mm. on some of these players and all of a sudden this incredible thing emerges out of it that we just didn't see. He sees all that and is able to edit their game to the point where it all makes sense. It's incredible to watch. It's almost every year he has one of these guys. So true, Fitz, so true.
0: Well, let's change gears here. Kansas State women's basketball is ranked number seven and rolling, but now must play four weeks at All-American post player Okoye Lee due to an injury. So Fitz,
1: I mean, what does this mean for the Wildcats? Are they going to be okay? I should have given you a pronunciation guide on that. Uh, ayoka Lee. Um, but we just call her Yoki because ayoka it, it sounds like a Star Wars character. Anyhow, uh, she's an incredible basketball player. And Kansas State uh, played without her last year due to injury, and they had a good team. Coach Jeff Minnie put those parts together and rebuilt and constituted a team that was competitive in the Big 12 without an All-American. Without maybe the best player in the league. And she came back from injury and has been playing at a high level. And on top of having that uh, self-belief those players built last year, he went out and recruited a bunch of good players to add into the mix. Kansas State with Lee is a Final Four caliber team. I say that with great confidence. I've watched a lot of basketball and I've watched this team win at Iowa this year and then lose to Iowa in their only loss on a neutral court. They play at a really, really exceptional level. They're fun to watch. And now they're faced with a player that uh, has been nursing this injury. But after beating Texas at home on Saturday, they decided last Saturday, they decided they better shut her down. Uh, And that's exactly what happened. And this was their first game, thanks to the TCU forfeit for not having enough players on Wednesday, that this is the first game that they played without her. And the irony being that Kansas has a really exceptional post player, and K-State was whooping them with that player on the court. Excuse me if I can't remember her name. And when she left the court, then KU got really good. It doesn't make sense. But K-State found a way to win. They're gonna have to find a way to run this offense and defense without her for four weeks. But here is the really good news. She's coming back. Unless there's something else that happens, she will come back from this injury. And if she's healthy at that point, she will have had three, four weeks of rest And we'll come back in mid to late February to play basketball games in this conference. As long as K-State's held it together, that could mean even greater results in the postseason for Kansas State. Because she'll be fresh. And at 6'7", and being a big, true post player, getting up and down the court's a lot of work. So if she's rested, they might be better for it.
0: I want to change gears here, Fitz. Uh, Huge shout-out to K-State fans. I think supporting women's basketball is huge, and I love the scheduling that K-State did where yep. they had the women play early and then the men played later in the evening. And look, I think it would be great if KU able to do that a little bit more often. It's happened a couple times this year, but I think it's a great idea.
1: Uh, it's just, I'll get into this with my final take or whatever we call it on this fancy show, uh, but uh, it's, it's something I think this conference needs to do more of mm. uh, and maybe more of doubleheaders with the same teams. For example, Iowa State men played at TCU on Saturday. Well, the women were scheduled TCU to play at Iowa State. Well, why wouldn't you just have them there together? I don't know. Let's move out of bounds. And speaking of the Big 12, out of bounds is brought to you by Daris Corner Market. We love local and we are local for you. All right, Fitz,
0: I want to get into this. Um, Texas lost to UCF at home this week and uh, threw a fit over the UCF players showing the horns down sign after the game. Um, Rodney Terry apologized on Saturday, but still it was a pretty big deal post-game and Texas might be a little touchy about this. Um,
1: so Fitz, give us your thoughts here. First of all, uh, look, you you shouldn't disrespect your opponent in a handshake row. That that, that I think we all understand, but UCF was told they were going to lose all their games in this conference and now they've beaten Kansas at home and TCU or excuse me, Texas on the road yeah they're excited yeah they kind of put on a display but Ronnie terry coach your own team uh, and not yelling at other players and talking about how you should respect them uh th- this has been a ridiculous thin-skinned response and i got news for texas the sec will give no craps about your feelings you think this is such a big deal they won't care and most of us don't either but for some reason the big 12 still does horns down is just a way to uh celebrate your dislike for texas and to say that we would never ever celebrate that way after a win we shake hands and leave the court was proven patently false by texas celebrating their win over baylor on saturday michael what are your thoughts look
0: college sports should be fun Yes. Like, if you, if you have a big win, you should celebrate. And, look, I think you're right, Fitz. The handshake line, show respect. I'm, I totally agree with that. But I don't see players looking at Texas players doing, like, the horns down right in front of them. You know, it's over off to the side, and then they go in the handshake line. That, for me, I'm cool with. But I thought the response to that, you know, Rodney Terry called it classless. I think it's kind of classless to bring it up. Look, win the basketball
1: game. How about that? Yep. Texas won in Bramas Coliseum last year. They played really well. It was K-State's home loss last season, and they celebrated by throwing the horns up in front of the student section. So it goes both ways. And now let's hear from our fans. Our fan question is sponsored by MetalArk. Retirement awaits in Manhattan, where you can live your way every day. All right, Fitz, our fan question this week is... What is the moment that cemented K-State's turnaround this season? This is from Steve in Manhattan. You know what, Steve? I'm not sure they have had a turnaround. They found a way to win, and they have better defined themselves, which I knew would happen as the season went on. But Jerome Tang does this thing where I don't think he holds his team back, but he puts everything together for conference play. We've seen it now two seasons in a row with very different rosters that he's done this. But I think in this conference, it's about how you play each and every night. And he's really focused in on that. But knowing that when they finally came to the conclusion, they weren't going to have two key players. And they thought for a long time they were going to get go over back and then he got re-injured. Once they accepted that, that this was our crew, they're rolling with it and they're finding how to win, even though it's not been pretty, and they turned the ball over way too much. All right, well, remember to ask us your
0: questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we'll look at our predictions here on The Drive.
1: Welcome back to the drive, fueled by Brigsauto.com. It's time to head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now let's take a look at our predictions. Predictions are brought to you by Kite. Meeting your friends at Kite since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive13. Here are last week's results. Michael, you got anything to say for yourself? <laughs> no,
0: I'm terrible at this. Oh my we,
1: gosh. We all stunk. Let's just say it that way, and let's move on and ignore this. And we start next week's games with Kansas goes to Iowa State on Saturday. Iowa State's a 54 and point favorite. Michael, that's, that's a lot to pick against Kansas. It is, and I
0: like the fact that KU has a week, right? They play yep. Monday. K-State plays at Iowa State on Wednesday. Yep. I like that
1: for KU. I'll take them to cover. I'll take Iowa State and do so reluctantly. Winning by five or more against KU seems like a lot. Next up is K-State at Houston.
0: We've got Houston as an 11.5-point favorite. I think this is going to be a, a blowout win
1: for Houston, so I'll go with them. I think K-State's going to have its hands full, but this requires Houston to win by 12. I will bank that K-State can keep it under that. I, I don't feel good about it. And our last game of the week is Baylor versus TCU, mm-hmm. 4.5. I'll take Baylor at home. I I'll like take it. TCU. we got to move on. Do you pick our picks at the drive 13. Michael, you got to be really close. Close, it's on the clock. It's sponsored by Carpa One, by Local for a Strong Local Community. Go! KJ Adams is achieving basically the same
0: stats per 40 minutes that he was last year. Think about how incredible that is. A different role,
1: same stats. That's incredible. K State played a doubleheader 1 p.m. women, 6 p.m. men. Fans came to town, enjoyed their day in Manhattan, do that more often, Kansas State do that big 12 with double headers of the same team. I love it. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll see you next week right here and all week on social media